the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Another Sunday night. Thank you. I'm reminded of that song. Was it Sam Cooke? Here it's another Saturday night. Well, it's another Sunday night. And we thank you for tuning in and listening. Today, this lesson is going to be, it's not going to be off what we normally do. It's a continuation, but I'm just going to focus on one scripture. And it's one of my absolute favorite scriptures. I know I say that often, but I love it because the writing by the Holy Spirit here. Now, whoever wrote Hebrews, some say it's Paul. But basically, it's largely understood to be an unknown writer because the greetings aren't in the manner in which Paul uh, greeted his people when he wrote. But either way, I love the language. I love the flowing of the Holy Spirit here in this scripture. And he connects three things that really don't seem to be related. And he brings them all together to paint a beautiful picture of a relationship with God. So I know I say this all the time, but it is one of my truly favorite scriptures. And it's because this scripture alone can solidify one's relationship with the Lord. Plus, it also answers questions about grace, about the fear of the Lord, about works. It's a scripture that really doesn't get taught on that much. It's often overlooked. And yet it belongs in your foundational basket because it speaks to the church today on many different levels. And once again, I tell you this all the time. We are in the last days. These are times of great peril, great risk, and there is no natural escape from the peril and the risk of these days. But for those of us in the kingdom of God, we overcome this dangerous time through our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. Last week, we warned you about the false teachers and the false prophets, the strange heretical doctrines, the damnable heresies, destructive heresies. All are after your soul. You know, you get born again, you get saved, you get filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and from then on, Satan tries to take you out. Remember Jesus? Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed that your faith would fail not. Satan is after your faith. You must understand that. Not after your love walk. He's after your faith. If he can get your faith, he can get you out of the will of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay, today I want you to see this particular scripture, and I want to show you how you can overcome such evils. It's in Hebrews 12. The actual scripture is Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's so beautiful. Let me read it again. Hebrews twelve twenty eight. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I love that. You know, it's going to talk about grace. It's going to talk about the fear of the Lord. It's going to talk about works, serving God acceptably, and which 
these principles go contrary to what we've heard recently in America uh, between the hyper-grace message that uh, when you do things for God, when you're working, people think that we are trying to earn our salvation. Yet, if you know, you're saved by grace, well, then you really aren't in the will of God by doing all this stuff. And I've heard friends and people, pastors, tell us that you're not supposed to fear the Lord. No, that's not the God of the Bible. And nothing could be further than the truth. And I love the fact that this scripture addresses all three of these things. So let me break this down for you. You know, there's two kingdoms, okay? There's uh, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of his dear son, which we belong to. And then there's the kingdom of darkness. That's it. There's no in between. There's no kingdom of gray, uh, there's no kingdom of twilight or dusk or dawn. It's kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. That's it. Right now, as we speak, you are either in one of those two. If you are born again, a child of God, you're in the kingdom of light. If you have not made a conscious decision to place yourself in that kingdom by faith, after repenting of your sin, acknowledging you need a savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Once you do that, you enter into the kingdom of light. If you are not in that kingdom of light, you are in the kingdom of darkness, and Satan himself is your Lord. It is your default position. You're either in one or the other. But not so us. We have surrendered to Christ. If you're listening to me on this Christian radio show, there's a very good chance you've been born again. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. You are a child of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. So now we live in his kingdom, the kingdom of light. 2 Thessalonians 2.12, that you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and unto his glory. We're called. We're called both unto the kingdom and to the glory. One we have already, the other one we're working on. But we have been called by God. It's great. You know, we just don't stumble into this kingdom. You know, many are called, but few are chosen. God calls us. The Holy Spirit of God draws us. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit of God draws him. And we have been drawn by God. We have been called by God. We've responded. We've received. We believed. And we have acted. Therefore, we are now in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear Son. Notice the scripture says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, some would teach that, oh yeah, we've got the kingdom. We've got all things that pertain to life and godliness. We've already been blessed with all things in heavenly places. And yet it's an ongoing process. We have not received the kingdom at the new birth and that's it. We are receiving this kingdom. There are aspects to the kingdom, which we have no idea about yet. And then there are aspects of the kingdom that we have already received, but it's an ongoing process. We're in the process of of receiving the kingdom of God. Receiving the kingdom of God, it's a daily, ongoing process, and it's not a one-time thing. We don't get saved on Monday, and then everything is complete when we get born again on Tuesday. Living in God's kingdom successfully requires daily obedience to kingdom rules, to kingdom laws. It's a kingdom which cannot be shaken. That is so fabulous. It's on a solid foundation. It's immovable. These last minutes of the grace age, as I call them, the time right before the rapture of the church, the last minutes of the grace age, they're going to see everything shaken. Matter of fact, we're being shaken even as we speak. Judgment begins at the house of God. Who is this guy that wrote? Griffith Thomas. This is our stability in an unstable world, the kingdom of God. We don't yet full have this kingdom. It is yet to come. Yet we are receiving it even now. He noted that the ancient grammar and phrasing indicates that we are constantly and perpetually receiving a kingdom that is incapable of being shaken. That is so good. 
I don't care what government we're under, whether it's a Democratic uh, majority, socialist rule under Biden, whether it's a fully republic, representative republic, capitalistic economic values under Trump. It doesn't matter. I belong to a kingdom that's not of this world, and that kingdom is unshakable. It is on a solid foundation. That kingdom cannot be moved. This shaking process is already taking place in the church. Those things or the peoples that are not rooted in God's kingdom will be shaken out to reveal our true status. The terrorists in the church, the false teachers, the false prophets, those that bring destructive heresies. Only we who are firmly entrenched in his kingdom by the word will remain in the body and in the kingdom. Without receiving the the fullness of the kingdom as yet, though, we still have many aspects of his kingdom that we've already partaken of, such as we've received his promises. We're partaking of the promises of God. The promises of God are yea and amen. We have received the kingdom in principle. We've been translated out of the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of his dear son, and we walk by faith. That's a principle of the kingdom. We give. That's a principle of the kingdom. We don't fear. That's a principle of the kingdom of the kingdom. We have received the principle of the kingdom, power. We have a measure of power. Behold, I give you might. I give you power. I give you dominion over all the power of the enemy. Behold, I give you might and power, saith the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So we've got a level of power and we have received it in measure of both protection and provision. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God's able to cause all grace to abound to you that you have all sufficiency in all things that you abound to every good work. And of course, protection. God will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, to bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So we see these are all aspects of the kingdom of God into which we've been translated to. We've actually literally been planted in there by the word of God. And yet Jesus was telling them in Matthew, He answered and he said unto them, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. There are some, just like the tares. Remember, the devil came at night and he sowed tares while the husbandman was sleeping. And so Jesus is telling us right here, though, there are many in the kingdom that are there, but my Father has not planted them. They shall be rooted up. So fear not about the false. You are required to identify them. You are required to know them and to challenge them. But God is going to take care of them. So don't be too intimidated. Just make sure you don't give them a voice. Don't give them the pulpit. Don't give them the teaching positions in your churches. These false teachers and the false prophets, the counterfeits who are still in our churches today, God didn't put them there. Satan did. They are there to get you out from God's kingdom. They are trying to remove you. But Jesus says, if God didn't plant them, then they will be removed. You just have to endure and you have to overcome. Hallelujah. I love the next part. Remember, I'm going to read that scripture one more time, just so you keep it in mind as I break it down. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, that's who we are. We're in the kingdom of God. It cannot be shaken. Let us have grace. What an awesome phrase that is. Let us have grace. You know, grace has been so uh, misunderstood. It's been abused. It's been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It has been reinvented to accommodate our carnal desires. It's almost like a spirit of Nicolaitanism where it allows us to compromise. I had guys, we were teaching marriage ministry and we were praying for families and the wives would, they always, they loved me, man. 
The men, they were kind of wary, but the women loved us. They feel they had an ally that could talk to their husbands. And yet I would get some of these guys and, you know, they would say, well, you know, my sins, all my sins have been forgiven. That's correct. And yet they would say, well, then what's the big deal? It's almost like the Nicolaitans that said, well, you know, my spirit's born again and my flesh, I have no control over my flesh. So my spirit, my spirit's saved, but my flesh is not. My flesh is sinning, but it doesn't matter because my spirit is saved. It's the same principle. They thought because of grace and all their sins were forgiven given that they never had to repent anymore. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's amazing. Let us have grace. This kingdom comes with grace. I love that. This kingdom comes with grace. Actually, it's grace that gave us the opportunity to enter into this kingdom. Remember something about grace. Grace, and I'm not belittling grace, and I'm not downplaying grace, but at the end of the day, if you want to understand grace, know that grace is the opportunity to know God intimately, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. That's grace. If you want to sum it up, grace is the opportunity for each and every one of us to know God intimately, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. The kingdom comes with grace. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So God has given us this wonderful gift of grace, which is the vehicle by which we enter into the kingdom of God. Through God's gift of grace and our faith, we have been planted by God the Father into this kingdom. We must stand strong against the devil. We must not allow him to take us out. And yet when you read that Second Thessalonians chapter 2 about the, the great apostasy that's here, it's a great falling away. Now, it's not just talking about a great falling away from the truth It's ta- for the church. It's also talking about great falling away from understood truths, natural truths in the world. You know, we grew up, the world is not flat. That is a pagan doctrine. And yet I've got many Christians that believe the world is flat now. They're crazy. I've got uh, people now, sex, look at this. They think there's like, what is it, seven, nine, 27 genders out there now? They're crazy. They're demonic. The Bible says that they've been given over to reprobate minds. These are the natural truths that are to be rejected by the world. And then we've got some of these same problems in the church because the so-called I'm not sure if I'm using this word right. Woke pastors. I don't even know what that means. You know, they talk about the, was it cancel society? Something like that. Cancel culture. I don't even know what that means. All I know is it's evil. Sin is sin, no matter what name you want to call it. But these doctrines are are coming into the church now. They're infiltrating into the church. And that's how Satan takes us out, through deceit. Satan, Diablo, deceiver. We've got to be so careful. We've got to guard against that. That's his aim right now, to remove many of us from the kingdom. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, I am not an evangelist. I I would love to win souls, but my calling is to feed the sheep. My calling is to guard the souls that have already been won from being taken out. That's my ministry. It's a ministry. We don't scare you. We prepare you. That's why some of the stuff that we say is very hard. It's very difficult. You got to have your spiritual ears on to catch what we're talking about lots of times because we're pointing out false doctrines. We're pointing out false preachers. We're warning you against the deception that is already within the church. If nobody's going to tell you, you know, people say, judge not. Well, that's what the Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. And yet it actually means condemn not, that you condemn uh, condemn others, that you don't be condemned. What he's saying is, he says, I want the moat out of the brother's eye. The goal of this scripture, I want the moat out of the man's eye. I want you to do it, but don't. Do it hypocritically. Make sure you got the stupid piece of wood out of your eye before you go ahead and try to minister to your brother. That's all that scripture is saying, and yet we make great big doctrines out of it. Judge not. Don't judge nothing. The church doesn't know how to judge 
anything. We don't even know which sock to put on first. We've got to get back into the Word of God, believe the Word of God, throw these stupid false preachers out of our churches, and start reading the Bible for ourselves. Through God's gift of grace and our faith, we've been planted in the kingdom of God. Satan does gain a measure of success in the apostasy through all these other things, the false, but not you. You listen to the show, man. You're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We warn you so that you can be prepared when his attacks come, so that you can recognize these attacks. Satan, you know, we don't even know the difference between Satan and God anymore. Half the stuff, you know, we think Satan controls the weather. Give me a scripture. We think Satan is the one that sends plagues. Give me a scripture. You will not find a scripture in the Bible where Satan sends weathers. Satan controls storms. You will not find a scripture in the Bible where Satan ever sent a plague. These are all God's doing. And yet we got these stupid doctrines that keep us from understanding the truth. No wonder we're not walking in the fear of the Lord. Oh, by the way, that's what's written next. Let us have grace. Since we have received this kingdom, let's walk in the grace that has enabled us to live in this kingdom and share this grace with others. Remember, everything that God gives you is so that you can give it to somebody else. I don't care if it's your money. I don't care if it's your peace. I don't care if it's your home. I don't care if it's your time. You are called by God. Anything you've freely you've been given, freely give away. God gives you stuff so that you can be a blessing to others. If God gives you anything, you are not just to keep it for yourselves, no matter what it is. My teaching gift, it's not just for me. It's for you. Our money, We're very generous. My wife is very generous. My peace. I want to share my peace with you. I'm excited about the word of God. The revelations I get. It's not just so that me and Diane can go, wow, uh oh yeah, in our home. It's to go ahead and give you light so that you can live a victorious life in Christ Jesus also. More about grace. The truth about grace. This grace is how we serve God acceptably. Okay, well, if we serve God acceptably through grace, then we can also serve God unacceptably. And so many of us are serving God unacceptably. Let me read the entire scripture again, keeping everything in its context. I'm sorry. Let's see. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, an ongoing process, which cannot be shaken, never, let us have grace. Why? By which we may serve God acceptably. You cannot serve God acceptably without grace, which is great. Now, people think, well, I got grace. I don't have to do any works. People say, because if you start doing works, then you're trying to earn your own salvation. That is not true. There is a way to serve God, and it's through grace, and it's the only way. But you're also supposed to serve God with grace and with reverence and godly fear. This is the main thought of the scripture. This is the treasure. This is the the wisdom behind this scripture. God's everywhere. It's his own treasure of knowledge and understanding. The masterful writing of the Holy Spirit right here, it's evidence. Only he could use grace, fear, and works in a single thought to explain the kingdom truth to us. Because of grace, we can serve God acceptably in the kingdom. It's because of this grace, it's by grace, it's through grace, and it's with grace, but it's never grace alone. The treasure in this scripture is that grace doesn't mean we don't fear God. So many people say, well, I don't have to fear God. They don't receive the fear of the Lord. Pastors, well-known preachers talk about the fact that if it's fear, it's not God. End of discussion. Well, that's false. If it's fear... It could be the devil, but it could also be God, because God demands that we walk in the fear of the Lord. Grace, in this scripture, it partners with reverence and the fear of the Lord to produce good works for the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Here in this scripture, grace partners with reverence and the fear of the Lord to produce good works for the kingdom of God. Our acceptable service in the kingdom 
is another way of saying good works. Grace means we can now serve God the way he wants us to. Grace doesn't mean we don't have to work for God. It means we get to work for God, people, in an acceptable manner, too. Many of us are trying to work for the kingdom of God without grace. Grace, reverence, and the fear of the Lord are key aspects of our service to God. But they need each other, and in this case, they work together. The hyper-grace message, it's got it all backwards. They say don't need to fear God because they are under grace. And the Bible says it's because of grace you must fear God. Hallelujah. You must fear God as the foundation of your acceptable servants to him. Hyper-grace says works is just a sign that you aren't saved. You're trying to earn it. Yet, grace says just the opposite. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Open the Bible. Get rid of some of these preachers, man. They're just messing you up. They're kooky. Notice that God separates reverence from fear, by the way. The fear of the Lord is not only reverence. God makes that perfectly clear right here. You have reverence, and then you have godly fear. Two totally different concepts. Because people say, well, what's the fear of the Lord? It's an awesome respect, an awesome reverence for God. No, it's not. That's reverence. Let me read it. Let's see. Notice that God separates reverence from fear. The fear of the Lord is not only reverence. God makes that perfectly clear in the scripture. We serve him acceptably using both reverence and the fear of the Lord. They are different. Truth be told, some translations actually render fear as dread or even terror. Acts 5, 11, and 12. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? What did they do? They lied to the Holy Ghost. What did God do? He killed them. And what happened after he killed them? Acts 5, 11, and 12. And great fear fell upon all the church. Now, that fear was a product of God killing two saints for lying to the Holy Spirit. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. So, and oh, let me finish. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Here's an instance where disobedience brought the judgment of God and the wrath of God upon two new covenant saints and God destroyed them. Now, it said great fear fell on all those that saw what was going on. This references to Ananias and Sapphira. But look at this, the fear. What was the result of great fear? Uh, No, God struck both of them dead, and the result of that was great fear. Well, what was the result of great fear? Huh? It was that they all started to walk in holiness and obedience. And what was the result of them walking in holiness and obedience? They started doing signs and wonders. You know, we could use some of that old-time power of judgment in our midst right now from God. We lack that because we lack holiness, because there's very little fear of the Lord. And yet, when you put the fear of the Lord together, when you put grace together, when you add reverence, you put a package together that allows you to serve God the way He wants to. So what's going on now? We've drifted away from the Bible. Bible reading is minor. We don't acknowledge it. We don't prioritize it. What we've done here, we have made God into our own image rather than acknowledging that man was made in God's image. We've walked away from fear and reverence. We've taken liberties with grace that we shouldn't have. And we in America, we become a man-fearing church rather than a God-fearing church. Such a pagan mindset towards God has resulted in a church without holiness or power. That in turn leads to a church operating on carnal knowledge. We don't have any wisdom of God. We're operating in a government that has no sense of the wisdom of God. And unfortunately, instead of spirit-led revelation knowledge, we're living off of carnal knowledge and we're making wrong decisions. We're making godless decisions. We're using our reprobate minds to decide how we're going to rule and reign in America today. Remember, you know, there's teaching coming out that God is not sovereign. I mean, wow, you got to be kidding me. That's like the clay saying to the potter, you're not in charge. How stupid is that? How crazy is that? You know, the clay telling the potter that he has no final say-so. 
that, that's fast-tracking yourself right out of the will of God into danger, man. My Lord, have mercy on us, man. Forgive us, please, Lord, our pride, our arrogance, our ignorance, Lord. And, you know, don't take my word for it that God is sovereign. Go to the word, Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. That's a Bible scripture. That is so true. The Bible says in Timothy, if any man teaches anything different, if they don't consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness, this is what God says about these people. They're proud. They don't know squat. Well, King James, they know nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, wherefore of which comes envy, strife, railings, and evil surmising. Many would try to say, that his children don't need to fear God. It's not popular to say that we need to have a healthy fear of the Lord. I see so-called parents that say it's fear, then it isn't God. That's just not true. We have poisoned minds in our pulpits teaching us. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The kingdom that is not shaken is the kingdom that is built on the word. The saint that is not shaken is the saint that is living on the word. The doctrine that will not be shaken is the doctrine that is found on the Word of God. You notice the common thread there. You must get your doctrine from the Word of God. You must go to a church that teaches the Word of God. You must speak the Word of God. You must live the Word of God. You must obey the Word of God. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the fat of the land. I just encourage you, get back into the Word of God. Learn to respect God. He is the potter. You are the clay. I'm on Geyer. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.